You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland. I'm the senior pastor of Believer's Baptist Church, and with me on the podcast is Philip Castleton, one of our other elders of the church. We want to thank all of you for listening in, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. Um, Philip, we had just gotten back from lunch just a few moments ago, and at lunch we went to a local restaurant here in Emory, and there was a man there in the restaurant who I know well. He he has a local automotive shop, does minor repairs and oil changes, and, and I go to him. And he's also a, a big uh, baseball, football card uh, dealer. Uh-huh. And uh, kind of does does that on the side, and and um, from my youth, I have a bunch of baseball, football cards. All right, and um, they're all in storage. I had gotten them out probably eight to ten months ago, and taken them to him to look so he could look through them and pick out anything that he thought was of value. Uh-huh. Um, and and I treasure these cards. You know, they're, they're just cards left over from childhood and, and yeah. the memories that go with it. Stale gum and everything. Yeah, no, no, there's no gum. But there are <laughs> whole complete unwrapped sets. Yeah, yeah. But um, and there may be gum in there. I don't know. You remember the gum? The gum <laughs> yeah, ones. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I took them to him and he sorted through them, and he found uh, several little things that uh, he thought would be, you know, uh, of some value. Not not uh, extensive value, not expensive either, but um, he found some things. And um, so we talked about it. And and then for several months, I just left him there in his office. That's where I took him and left him. And finally he caught me one day um, and he said, Hey, you know, um, I need to, I need to see if you can get these cards. And uh, I said, sure, that'd be, well, first he had said, Hey, I need to get these cards. Well, I, I forgot it again. And then finally, he came to me um, recently. He said, "Hey, here's a hundred dollar bill. Let me just let me have all your cards." And when he gave me that hundred dollar bill, I'm like, "No way, no way am I going to give you all those cards, complete sense for a hundred dollar bill? Yeah. There's no way I'm going to do that." I said, "Well, no, I I can't do that. I can't give you that." Uh, and then and come I, get them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I said, "Here's your hundred dollar bill." He said, "Well." Uh, they just give that to the church, and so um, I did do that. But he said, well, you need to come get them then, so I get them out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now they're in my way, uh, in my, in my uh, storage area. But anyway, um, my point is, we. it's funny how we um, put so much stock in things that uh, ultimately have no value. Maybe there's some emotional value, but to me personally, you have no emotional attachment to a tub full of baseball cards that I have. No. You, know, you have no connection. To, you didn't even know I had them until just now. I didn't. Right. So um, it's funny how we as humans tend to think that this life is our life only. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that marks us as, um, well, as human, I think, that we, we live our lives that way. Right. You know, we, uh, and this is what Jesus talks about when he says, right, you know, uh, you know the guy who says he's got bigger and bigger barns, right? Ultimately, he keeps he got man. I got everything. I'm going to sit back, take. I'm a big builder barns. I got more money. I got more things. Set it all up. You know, I'm just going to sit back, eat, drink, and be merry. God says you have no clue that I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to call your life to account, and, and none of that's going to matter. Right? You know who you can leave it to. Right? You know? Right. 
um, of course, my argument has always been, well, I'll, I'll leave the baseball cards to my kids, you know. And mm-hmm. um, But I, I don't have a whole lot of hopes that they're going to have any um, attachment to them. Yeah. I mean, uh, did I tell you this changing the subject, but it fits. I wrote them, you know, when they were um, infants. I wrote them 365 letters. My daughter, Brielle, yeah. I wrote her 365 letters, and I wrote my son, Brady, 365 letters. And they have to do with life and spiritual truths and, you know, just things about living and how to relate to each other and how to relate to God, how to relate to um, um, opposite sex, those kinds of things. And gave them both the, their 365 letters on their birthday yeah. when they were 13. Neither one of them read them. They have no attachment. They have no interest. <laughs> they may one day. They may one day. They may one day. That's what I keep saying about the baseball cards. Yeah. Maybe one day. They'll, they'll have some value. Yeah, yeah I hope they do. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes things have value and people just don't know they have value. Right. Maybe that's what's with the letters. Maybe there's a lots of wisdom and value there. And um, one day they'll actually take advantage and, and, uh, and, and recognize it for what it is. So yeah, well, all that is a preference to a, uh, a preface. To well, actually, leading into that though, um, there actually are things uh, that are valuable, and the problem is we often don't invest in the right things. Isn't that what the text we're going to talk about today says? Yes, yes. That there is, there are things of value. Mm-hmm. They're just not the temporal things, right? Uh, and sometimes, uh, um, I think that's not discounting that temporal things do have value. There, there's value in those things. It's just we can't let that value be greater than the eternal value. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I, yeah, I think that the point that the text we're going to look at here is going to make, though, is that the value that they hold is so minuscule and fleeting um, and that it's all corruptible. Mm-hmm. It's all you know. It's yes. going to say moth and rust, and you know it. All these things are are capable of being destroyed, even by the elements, if right. you will. Right. Right. Um, where um, there is a real, um, real treasure that is incorruptible, undefiled. Right. I mean, right. as First Peter would say, yeah, up in heaven for you, which is something where that we should be longing for. So yeah. investing yeah. in. So the question then that we want to address in episode eighty-two of this Asking for a Friend podcast is what does it mean to lay up treasure in heaven? What does it mean to lay up treasure in heaven? Now, this is a text that comes right out of the Sermon on the Mount. We've done several in the last um, couple of months of podcasts on particular things out of the Sermon on the Mount, and this is another one that we wanted to do that um, we pray, again, would be helpful to all of us as we think about what Jesus says here. So I'm going to begin in chapter 6 of Matthew, beginning in verse 16, and uh, read through, really verse 24, but verses 25 through 33, or 34, um, really go with this as well, this mm-hmm. this idea. So verse... Actually, you could go all the way back to the beginning of the chapter, because they actually, uh, verses uh, 1 through 4... Uh, I'll make one statement, verse 5 through 15, make another statement, and 16 through 
um, 18, make another statement, and all of those are in contrast to what he's going to lay out here, which is really important. Okay, so do you want me to back up? and? No, 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 you don't have to read it all. I'm just saying, you were saying, starting 16, I was saying, that what, what 16 through 18 is going to make clear is the very same thing that the first two sections in this chapter make clear. Yeah. yeah. I, and I said verse 16. Verse 16, 17, and 18 deal with fasting. Uh-huh. But I, I meant that we would start in verse 19, oh, okay. so I misspoke there. Okay. Okay, so verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And then verse 25 begins this way. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing? And so we had that whole text about being not being anxious for these necessities of life. Right. So, Philip, the, the question comes from that first verse, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So let's think about that. What does it mean to lay up treasures in heaven? Well, like I said, I think that ultimately that means that um, that we should be doing things with eternal benefit versus um, it, we have to do certain things with material and temporal benefit. I mean, you know, um, just because uh, we're going to go on in verse 25 onward and say not to be worried about um, – um, you know, what you'll eat, drink, or put on, right? right? I mean, he goes on to talk about being anxious, that God will provide, he does for the sparrows, he will for you. But that doesn't mean that we don't have to work. That right. doesn't mean that we don't have to go out and do the the, the toil and the labor and the things that are, that are ours to do on this earth. Yes. We do those things. So in that sense, there is a benefit to, to working and, and, and providing for the material uh, uh, deals. But the problem is most of our life for Christians and non-Christians is motivated by and and revolves around, if you will, the material. I mean, people will relocate themselves all the way across the country for a new job. Mm-hmm. They won't do that for a new church, right? but they'll do that for a new job. Right. In fact, I would say that they would leave a good, healthy biblical church for five thousand dollars more a year, yeah, uh, to 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 just go get five thousand dollars more. And the interesting thing about that, I think that's a direct violation of this text, which where a person's material perspective outweighs their eternal perspective, mm-hmm. right? Right. They don't go 
you know, if I if I leave the church I'm at, where I'm growing spiritually, my wife is growing spiritually, my children have, have come to know the Lord, God has been gracious enough to, to put us in a church where they're growing, um, I'm hearing the Bible taught, right? I mean, people are they're being faithful to God's Word and to, and to obey. Um, I would leave that church, move myself across the country because I have an opportunity to make five or ten or $15,000 more a year. I can have a better home, cost of living's less, whatever the case may be. I would do that and, 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 and take... And go to a church where um, many of those things are potentially compromised, right? Uh, the perspective that they've given is that that $15,000 more a year is more important than the spiritual growth and nourishment that that has been afforded them, the grace that's been given to them in that, in that first situation, that particular involvement. And I think that betrays how even as Christians, we are motivated by money more often and probably to more uh, to more of an extent than we think right um and we are and i and, and this is this is it's something that even um escaped um well materialism is endemic in man i mean it is it's bred into us even the disciples would struggle with this right mm-hmm. i mean judas himself was motivated by money right, right? right. um and uh we we uh this is a command a particular command to stop with temporal motivations and and commence or to begin with eternal ones mm-hmm. S- stop looking at 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 these things and and uh, that that are going to ultimately be used up mm-hmm. this is the thing that i can't get you know i'll see people that'll be 75 years old mm-hmm. you know uh, they've they've retired from four different jobs, you know that kind of thing. They've got all this money coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got money in the bank. They can't they can't spend all the money they have, and yet they're still um, looking for that great deal where they can um, you know stock market trade. They're whatever. Mm-hmm. They're still pursuing all this stuff as if um, to what to what ends to what right. benefit right. I mean, so you die with a million in the bank, you die with 10 million in the bank, or you die with 100 in the bank. Does it, it, there's no difference at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes no difference at all. Um, that, that's the amazing uh, thing about it all. But yet, Christians and non-Christians alike look the same in these categories. And Scripture here is saying they shouldn't. Right. In fact, I, I really think Scripture saying is that they won't which may be a real condemnation to many of us, right? Right. Because we, if we look to the motivation of our heart, um, and here's, here's really why I was saying that the first part of chapter 6, I didn't mean to, to belabor this, but, but not all motivations, though temporal, are material. Because if you start back at the beginning of chapter 6, chapter 1 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before others. That was verse 1. Verse 5, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in synagogues, right? Uh, verse 16, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. Here's three situations where all three of these are seeking temporal things, but they're not material things. Mm-hmm. All three of these people are being chided for seeking something temporal. The praise of men, the yes, glory of position. The glory, the honor, the praise. None of them material, but all temporal. True. So here we have a situation where we've got uh, um, all temporal things should be cast to the wayside for the eternal. Not just the material, but the glory, the honor, the power, all of those things that come with money, 
that come with fame, with which come with um, you know what you know, power. Uh, mm-hmm. Those things are all fleeting, and they will ultimately be gone the day you die. Right? right? It doesn't. It's not just material. Right. And so all of the temporal things are to be set aside, recognized for what they are. But we're supposed to set those aside in lieu of that which cannot fade, which cannot be destroyed, as First Peter would say, this, this eternal inheritance which is ours in Christ. Right. Well, and this, uh, this lust for uh, glory or this lust for material things, I think what Jesus is trying to say in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It, it identifies you, as you just said, what's the distinction between a true believer and the, the uh, common everyday person of society yeah. who has not Christ? Um, it's um, that the person with Christ is pursuing uh, a life that is consistent with him and, and being obedient so that, that there's um, a willingness to strive, as we were talking earlier in a previous podcast um, of this month, where we push into, we we strive to get into the kingdom and then persevere in the kingdom right. um, without um, involving ourselves in idolatry. Ultimately, that's what it's talking about. Yes, that's exactly it. In fact, one of the things we want to be clear of here, though, when you talk about this, this statement in verse 21, where your treasure is, your heart will be also, what that's not saying is this isn't a statement on the nature of how we change our heart. Right. It's not saying um, uh, change your treasure location and your heart will change. Right. It's not saying that. What it is saying is that, because that would flip grace and the doctrine of regeneration on its head, mm-hmm. right? Well, if you want to be a Christian... Just change the location of your treasure, right? right? That's not what it's saying. What it is saying is that um, the location of our treasure is a sure testimony of to whom our heart belongs. Yes. The location of our treasure is a sure, undeniable testimony to whom our heart belongs mm-hmm. and to, to where, right? And to right. what it's attached to, to what it's tethered. Right. That's what that's saying, right? Yeah, right. And with to... Um, to have our heart attached to um, worldly things because we're human. I mean, there is a sense in that's a reality of life. Um, and you and I live in American culture. Uh, we're the richest culture that has ever existed in the history of the world. We have more opportunity, more privileges, uh, more money, uh, more status than, than any nation has ever had. And therefore, it, it is difficult for the believer in our culture to separate these things, um, to separate what culture says about what we ought to have and, and all the billboards and all the advertisement and all the um, Facebook and, and uh, social media um, constantly pumping uh, this idea of discontentment into our brains um, so that we want the next big thing and we want the next um, big opportunity. And it's hard to separate those things and, and, and want to strive into the kingdom because we don't have a good view of what the kingdom, we don't have a, a good picture of how beautiful the, the kingdom of God will be in eternity. Yeah, and we're, we're idolaters. Yes. I, I think that you're, that's the point you're making, yeah. ultimately. Mm-hmm. The Bible says covetousness is idolatry. Mm-hmm. Right, that's what right. it says specifically. I think in uh, Colossians, right? Uh, covetousness is idolatry. 
the reason we are greedy, the reason we're materially driven is because we covet. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we see advertisements, we go down the road, you deserve a, you know, a, a better house, you deserve a better car, you deserve this, you deserve that. And, um, and we go, you know, I do. I do deserve that. Right. I've worked so hard. You know, I've been so patient. I have uh, done this. I've done that. I've whatever. And, um, and we covet uh, those things, which the Bible says is idolatry. So we have decided uh, that uh, we can uh, call ourselves a Christian. And yet the thing that our heart is motivated by. And this is what it says out of Matthew 5, uh, 15, 19, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. You know, uh, the, the truth of the matter is covetousness, greed, all of those things, they, they are not ultimately a product of society. They are manifested in my heart. And all those advertisements are just... Um, uh, an appeal to what comes naturally from my fallen heart. Right. <clears throat> and you know, one of the aspects of this that, that we probably ought to address just for a few moments is um, the Bible says less about keeping treasures than it does about giving away what you have. It Doesn't does. It? That's right. Yeah. Um, and we ought to be mindful as God's people with an eternal perspective that giving away... Um, and, th- and that is within reason. Obviously, there's some parameters around that. You just don't uh, go and carelessly, foolishly give away everything that you have. Um, uh, in fact, Jesus, in talking to the rich young ruler that came, mm-hmm. um, the heart problem was, was that that man's treasure was his material things. Right. And Jesus is trying to get him to, to come out of that. Well, in that situation, he had, he had basically told Jesus he had never broken the law. That right. He had kept the law. But the final law, this is exactly what Paul was making reference to. See, the law, for most people, they think it's an external, right? right. He actually proved to that rich young man that he had not kept the law because he was a coveter. Right. And what he said is, I've kept all these to my youth. Oh, yeah, have you kept coveting? Why don't you take all you have and give it away? No, I love my, I love my money. I covet my money. Ah, so you are a lawbreaker, aren't you? Right, right. Yeah. So the Bible speaks a lot to this idea of giving. We think about um, Proverbs twenty two nine: He who is generous will be blessed. First Timothy six nine: Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Notice it says those who desire to be rich, not just that those who are rich, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Or Acts 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so uh, the Bible says that happy is the one who is gracious to the poor, Proverbs 14, 21. Right. Uh, we've got 2 Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 9 that speak to the idea of uh, giving as um, part and parcel of the Christian life, yeah. uh, as evidence of a true believer, in fact. Yeah, in fact, it's even at one point, uh, he says, that let the thief th- steal no more, but let him get a job so that he'll have an excess to give. Right. I mean, it's amazing. It's not just so that he'll be able to... Uh, uh, Leave other people's possessions alone. But no, let him stop stealing. Let him get a job so that he can give money away. Right, 
right. give things away, meet the needs of others. Um, that is a part, like I said, part and parcel of what we're here for and why we're materially blessed. Right. And so Jesus says in the text that we're looking at, again, this is Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19, and he comes to the end of verse 24, and he says those very familiar words that, that all of us, those who are listening even now to this podcast know these words, you cannot serve God and money, or uh, typically it says mammon, which is uh, the, the word that would be used for money. You cannot serve God and money. Um, this is... Uh, this is typically um, the, uh, thought of as, well, I'm not serving God in money because I don't have enough as it is. When we, when we all have um, a house with a mortgage, uh, several cars, you know, I own four cars. Yeah. Four. I mean, I own my wa- mine, my wife, my two children, and I pay the, pay the payments and the insurance on all four of them. Yeah. I own four cars. For me to say... Um, well, this must be for somebody else because I don't have very much money, and I don't have much money in the bank, but I have four cars, and, and I have a roof over my head, and I have a comfortable blankets and pillows and mattresses, and, and I know where my meal is going to come in a few hours. I know I can go get it. Yeah, um, I can go to the local restaurant and buy it if I want to. So for us to, as American believers to say, well, this must be for somebody else because I don't have I don't have much money. I I think we have to think about that realistically. We we have plenty. Well, especially when we're told if a man has if he has clothing and food, he's to be content. Right. We're told that specifically. Right. And here's what's funny about that: it doesn't say that I have food for tomorrow. The intent is that I have food for today. If I have clothing right now, mm-hmm. and and um and I'm not starving to death, I'm supposed to consider that. Great gain. Mm-hmm. God has provided for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so we we don't, we have been so marked by um, all the things around us. And by the way, like I said, we don't, I, I say that, but that's almost un, unfair to the biblical record. We look like the culture because our hearts love money. Right. It's not that the culture has changed us to be in their mold in that sense we have a fallen flesh that is still part of who we are even if we're redeemed in christ we're supposed to mortify it but the fact is is it it beckons to us for these material things the 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 culture just becomes the occasion for our hearts to manifest what's there yeah it's the it's the joel osteen that my that my tickling ears manifest for myself right i mean because that's exactly right it becomes the the thing that my heart um uh, loves because my heart is wicked right that and that's the sad part here it says no one can serve two masters either hate one love the other and devoted to one despise the other you can't serve both and the point is if there's a division and if you are duplicitous in this matter if you have um, or if you're double-minded here all you do is prove that, that that supposed division actually exposes that you don't have a division at all. Mm-hmm. What you think is, I'm torn because I want this and I want that. That's you lying to yourself because that supposed division only proves that you what you really prefer is mammon. Right. What you really prefer is money. Mm-hmm. That's the point, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
The, dupl- the dupl- duplicitous, double-minded man is unsure in all his ways, James says, right? right. Um, this is the point. You cannot serve them both. And if you think that you have a divided heart over it, you don't. You're a master of money. Right. I mean, you're a slave to money. Right. And so Jesus comes to verse 33 of chapter 6, and he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So how do, how do we overcome this? How do we not serve God and man? How do we um, put our heart in the right spot and put our treasure in heaven? I'm glad you asked such an easy question. I know. Um, I think this is part of the answer, though. No, I think it absolutely is. I think that is the answer. Yeah. Now, how, what does it mean to um, seek, seek first, first the kingdom of God? Right. I think that is the answer. I think that uh, my 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 perspective has to change. Something has to give. Where I I I I markedly, um, I mean, it becomes evident in my life that my goal is. The pursuit of godliness, the pursuit of holiness, the pursuit of obedience, right? Those things. And if that means that um, I give up comfortability, um, uh, comfortability, I didn't say it right, but um, if I give that up, I give up a job. If um, it means staying in a lesser paying job to stay in um, a faithful, godly church where where there's growth happening in me and my family. Uh, I think that's in, in a real way how some of that works itself out. Um, you know, seek these things first. I mean, if I'm seeking what God, if I'm seeking the kingdom, the eternal, then I'm investing in the eternal, right? I mean, that's you know, you seek money, you invest in things that that'll bring you more money. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what are what are eternal um, investments? Well, the word of God and the souls of men. Those Absolutely. are eternal investments. Um, so uh, I think that uh, and we had a, a long discussion about discipleship and how that's supposed to look at lunch. Remember, we talked a lot about this yes. and um, you know how that's supposed to work itself out in the corporate body. But, I mean, have you decided um, that uh, uh, that you don't need the overtime, but you could take that time to uh, invest in your neighbor down the street, right? right. Have you decided that uh, uh, that you could uh, uh, f- take a couple from the church and get together and start having theology discussion, theological discussions with them? You know, talking about the Lord, letting those kind of uh, uh, you know the Bible says that let our conversation always be salty, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and and I I don't think that always I think it can mean that sometimes we're willing to say the difficult things, but I think that what it really means is that uh, that we often spend most of our time talking about things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. We spend an awful lot of our time talking about things that just have no bearing on anything. What if we purposely spent more of our time talking about things that do matter, mm-hmm. talking about the Lord? talking about theology, talking about discipleship, talking about what it means to live holy lives, what it means to invest in. What if we, we really did that? I think that's what it means. I think that's what all it means to, to say that's more important than, um, than um, all these mundane conversations um, that have no eternal uh, merit at all. Right. A part of it, I think, in, in talking about seeking first the kingdom of God and laying up treasures, those two things are synonymous, I believe. But part of that, perhaps we could say it this way, for the believer, and this is going to sound really critical, and I don't mean for it to sound this way, 
Um, but if we have a deer lease and we have several guns and we have a, a cabin at our deer lease and we have a bass boat and we have a lot of fishing tackle and, and we have a lot of um, uh, hunting uh, gear to go to, on our deer lease. Oh, you were preaching. Now you're meddling. I oh, know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have our we have our pickup, you know, with yeah. our and and then um, we we have all of those things. Yet our regular cheerful giving to the church is less than those. Yeah. Our um, at least. Um, that is chosen in preference to the regular cheerful giving to the church. Yeah. It might say a lot about where our treasure is. Yeah, or if you could go spend, um, you know, uh, a whole weekend in a deer stand or a whole weekend in the boat at the lake fishing or playing, um, which there's nothing wrong with either one of those right. things, but you can't seem to find time to get together on a Sunday night at the, at the, at the Bible study that's going on on Sunday night. You have to go, what, what is wrong? How is it that Sunday morning um, we all show up and, you know, and, and put on our, our, our Sunday best and show up and, and uh, do whatever, and then somehow, as soon as amen is said, you know, um, I have no more obligation until next Sunday morning. And that's the way a lot of our life is lived. Right, right. But we certainly don't miss the opportunity to go to the, the softball game, the volleyball game, the, the fishing exposition, <laughs> you yeah, know, right. the, the deer stand. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, and again, I'm not trying to be critical of anybody who has any of those things. I'm just trying to help us to think, what does it mean that we're laying up treasures? Well, you know, I, I don't think you're wrong, though. And, and, and to some extent, if, if you are being critical, not that you're pointing at anybody in no, particular, no. but it, it, it's okay. I'll say this. I'll, I'm going to throw myself out there, not because I'm spiritual, but because I do want to serve God. There was a time when I used to hunt a lot. A lot. I had dogs. I used to chase hogs all the time. A hog dogger. I, yeah. And, and um, I did that so often that it became a hindrance in, in my walk. And at one point, I recognized it. To the grace of God, um, he, uh, he made it evident to me that that had become a priority for me. And I told my wife, I said, I'm out. I, I can't do this anymore. She didn't understand it at first, right? Well, why? Because you, you know, enjoy it. The family enjoys it. It's something we do together, whatever. But I said, no. Well, there came a time. I gave it up for a good long time. There was, came a time when I, I, I took it back up again. But when I did, with real strict parameters on when and how I did it, because I couldn't let it in, interfere, if you will, anymore with my walk. Because it had. It had become such a priority. And I think that's exactly what happens. You know, we, we get these things, and, and to the most, uh, in any real conversation, we'd understand them not to be bad things. They're not necessarily evil, right? right. But it's so, that's the problem is most of us won't, our lives when we go to heaven won't be marked by a, a life of particularly evil things, but just non-mattering things. Yeah. And yet, those we'll still stand before God, and He'll go. Um, probably, it'll mark most of us as non-Christians, right? Mm -hmm. Because it, what we'll see is that what we truly loved were all those non-important things. Right. And they marked us, not a love for God and His things. And I think that's what the reality that came to my mind is, Philip, what do you love more? Right. 
because you what you've what it seems like you've loved more lately mm-hmm. is this this thing over here right is that who you love philip <sighs> no i can do away with that that needs to go well i think that to some extent is what's being gone on here do you really want to be rewarded one day good and faithful servant or do you think that um you know that innocent time you spent at the lake or anything else mm-hmm. that takes away from God's time and eternal things, do you really think that that'll stand on, on that day? And it right. won't. Right. Um, to hold to these things loosely. Yeah. It's not necessarily a sin to, to have a truck or to have a deer lease or, uh, you know, to have a house. and It's not a sin, um, but hold these things loosely uh, and not let them become the idols of our heart don't let them become the uh, priority of our daily existence and, and keep an eternal, eternal perspective. Yeah. And you know, it really might make a difference in um, the people that are around you. I know that was funny because I, I, I went from hunting all the time to people saying, hey, can you go hunt? And I said, no, I can't. Um, I've got, I, I got church on Sunday and I can't be out late on Saturday and that kind of thing. And people just looked at me weird like, huh? Right. But it was an opportunity then for them to see that something was more important to me. Right. Right. And so it may be that um, if your perspective changes, if your perspective gets straight, it could have a real um, help in your uh, evangelistic efforts with your neighbors and your family. True. Well, perhaps there's a lot more that we could say about the, the subject and, and even the, the verse. And um, it's really pretty cut and dry as far as... Far as what it says, um, there's no way to misunderstand what Jesus is saying in in this text with uh, not loving God and money and seeking first the kingdom of God and laying up treasure in heaven. Those are pretty cut and dry. I don't know how you can say it any clearer, um, but perhaps our discussion and what we've brought to um, our thoughts on these um, verses and these statements will be helpful to somebody. That is our prayer. And so once again, any ratings or reviews or any shares or uh, good old-fashioned word of mouth, uh, we would appreciate you passing the podcast on if you think it's helpful. And we want to thank everyone for listening. Grace and peace. Amen. Amen.